Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Arlington, Texas today with uh, episode 639 of the Survival Podcast. It's Tuesday, April the 5th, 2011, and I've been really looking forward to the show because I get to welcome back today one of my best friends in the world, Ron Hood, legendary survival trainer, and uh, we're going to have him on in just a minute. Before we do that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our housekeeping. Housekeeping item one, let's take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, ready-made resources. Hey, what more can you ask from a company than to put the name of their company and, and say, this is what we do, and then go ahead and do it. That's what ready-made resources does. At their website, you'll find all the things you need for your prepping, ready-made and ready to go, Point, click, buy, and they'll be sent to you so you can get on with life and get on with prepping. And you'll find anything you could possibly need for your prepping at ready-made resources, from long-term storage food uh, to tactical equipment to gardening equipment, you name it, they've got it. Make sure you check out their solar and wind catalog as well. You can download that by PDF. That's probably worth money as an ebook just from how much information there is in it. Uh, next up today, MERS Radio. That's actually MERS-radio or MERS-radio.com. Uh, I love MERS Radio because it provides a secondary means of communication. I don't have to have a license or anything like that to be able to use it. gives us a communications range of about two miles, which is plenty for our homestead environment. It would be for most of your homestead environments as well. And then it allows us to combine security with that secondary communications through the use of motion detectors. So I know whether my dog Max is trying to escape the backyard confinement or some uh, scumbag is crawling around my patio at night that's not supposed to be there. Either way, I'll know that combined with our communications. And what I really love about Rob at uh, MERS-radio.com is the fact that he really specializes in a very small group of equipment. He knows the stuff cold. If you need any support from him whatsoever, you call him up, you tell him what you're trying to do, he'll be able to get you through it really Really, really quick uh, because he specializes in just a small group of equipment. Uh, next up today, remember to connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can find links for all of that at thesurvivalpodcast.com. When I'm away like I am this week, I try to stay in touch with you guys using Facebook especially, and I've got some cool stuff coming to the YouTube channel soon. One of the really great things about our move to Hot Springs and a new office is I'm going to get a uh, really awesome internet connection from the cable provider up there called Suddenlink, and that's going to let me do a lot more with YouTube videos. One of the big hangups I have with doing more video content right now is just simply how long it takes to upload the stuff so even though I'm moving to a more rural environment I'm getting better internet uh, access imagine that um Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. You get discounts to over 25 vendors, including Ron's uh, DVD collection. Uh, we'll have Ron on here in just a minute. We get You get over $100 worth of free eBooks. You get 20 videos by me that are available nowhere else. And remember, what you're actually doing is you're supporting this show. And uh, what it really comes out to, I always say 20 cents, but really when I did the math, came out to about 18 cents an episode. So when you get done with this show, if you think that was worth two dimes or, or more, it's probably worth joining the Member Support Brigade, and you'll get a great return of investment as well. That's how I set the brigade up from the very beginning, so that it wasn't just a financial contribution to the show, but you were actually buying something that paid you back tenfold or better if you actually used it. All right, folks, and as I said during the intro segment, we're uh, fortunate to have one of our most popular guests of all time returning to uh, spend some time with us to talk about EDC, that's Everyday Carry, and a whole bunch of other stuff we'll probably end up throwing in just because, well, when Ron Hood and I get on the air together, we just can't be sane. We have to be a little bit insane. So, Ron, brother, welcome back to the Survival Podcast. Well, thanks for having me there, Jack. It's good to talk to you again. Well, hey, I did want to like really get into EDC, and I've been like holding off on an EDC show to bring you on to talk about it, and um, I want to do that, but I also want people that maybe are tuning in that haven't heard your other interviews, and maybe they don't know exactly who you are, give a just you know the the short background story on who is Ron Hood and how'd you get into all this uh, crazy survival stuff. Ooh, you want that one again, huh? <laughs> yeah. all right. 
Right. Uh, let's see. It goes way back to when I was just a little child. Um, my dad started taking me out fishing and uh, joined the U.S. Army. Spent four years in that. Went to Vietnam, did about a tour and a half there. Spent about a year in Turkey. Uh, studied, well, kind of studied with the Kurds. Uh, learned a little bit about their survival skills. Of course, the stuff in Vietnam was a little different. And then um, when I got out, I found out that I was uh, reasonably proficient in outdoor skills and um, went to work running some outdoor survival programs. This was back in the late 60s. And ultimately, I was hired on by uh, a university there, uh, Cal State University Northridge, and then by UCLA. Taught at both those universities in, um, in the outdoor recreation program and the biological and physical sciences and ran um, – uh, courses on outdoor survival, kind of connecting the science of the outdoors um, with the experience so that when people go out there knew what hypothermia was and how it worked and the Krebs cycle and all the other crap that goes along with it. But um, these were fully accredited courses. So I did that for 20-something years and then retired to um, to run courses on my own and finally to put together about 14 years ago, my wife Karen and I put together a started putting together a series of videos on wilderness survival and urban survival and cave cooking and all the other things. And um, so we've got 28 videos out now about that. Recently, we started a magazine. This is about a year, year and a quarter ago. We started a magazine called Survival Quarterly. And um, obviously, by the title, you could tell it comes out quarterly. And it covers all kinds of different topics related to survival, everything from prepping. In fact, everybody should know that one of our best authors is a man called Jack Spierko, the guy. <laughs> I don't know if I'm one of the best authors, but I am a contributing uh, editor to the magazine. Very, very honored to have that uh, in my uh, in my quiver, so to speak. Oh, well, your quiver. Don't talk like that. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the, fo- the point is, folks, Ron's been around. It's not his first rodeo when it comes to telling you how to keep your uh, your ass alive in, in the wilderness or in an urban environment. And uh, he also does grant the Member Support Brigade 10% off his DVD. So make sure if you're checking out any of those DVDs, you get your discount. Uh, the the uh, code is in the MSB. So he's a supporter of the show and, and of our community as well. And uh, we get, we kind of go back together a few years now on, on providing that mutual support. So it really is like welcoming a brother on the show. Um, Ron, I do want to you know kind of get into the topic, though, of EDC. And one of the questions I get from people, like if I meet people out and about, and I talk to them a little bit about EDC, and they basically have nothing on them, their response is always, well, I've got my kit in my car. So why do I need this, this, you know, why do I need to have my pockets loaded down with all this stuff? So how do you respond to that? Well, um, yeah, Jack, you know, you, you kind of caught me by surprise there. It's in your head. If you know about survival, you don't need a kit because it's all in your head. You know how to make this stuff from the, the get-go. Uh, 90% of the people out there, probably a larger percentage than that, don't know what to do. They don't know how to make the things that they need in an emergency. So there really isn't um, uh, an option there for them to suddenly develop the skills to manufacture what they want from the things that are at hand. So that's why you need an EDC kit. You can't do it because you don't know the skills. Therefore, you should have it, and that will make it possible for you to survive. And, um, I mean, it really comes back to knowledge. It's the only thing they can't take from you. It's something that you'll always carry with you and something you'll never forget. Well, wait a minute. As you get older, you might, but, you know. <laughs> and to me, there's also there's a shortcut as well. Like, I can make cordage. You can make cordage. We can all make lots of cordage. It's not a hard skill to learn. Difficult skill to master, but not a hard skill to learn. But uh, if I need to do something now, I may not have time to go out and start ripping, stinging nettles apart, uh, getting down to the fibers or using yucca plant or something like that. I, I need something to be able to, and a lot of times, too, it's not even just survival. It's like, you know, I want to talk today about some of the stuff that, you know, you end up just because you have something on you, a, a task becomes easier as well, right? Yeah, yeah, but we, we need to isolate the environment that we're in. We're in an urban environment or we're in a wilderness environment, so we kind of have to pick one when we talk about these things. When you isolate the environment, then that kind of gives it um, a, a little bit of a focus when you pick out the EDC kit. That, that's kind of where I was going with that. You know, if you've got the skills, then you could do it wherever the heck you want. Sure. Let me give you an example, Jack. An example. What the hell's an example? I'm not sure, man. Sounds I don't like it's seized to your ankle. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Write that down. New word. We're going to put this thing out. Um, now, uh, 
It's an infected what? cankle. I thought an infected cankle. That's right. <laughs> God. Okay, you're sick. Now, um, we will, um, okay. Yes, I'm having a senior moment. The, um, uh, let, let's take a, a primitive person, for example. Just, just, just to go back to that example, which I used once before. A primitive person, say somebody that was taken from 10,000 years ago, brought into the modern urban environment, wouldn't stand a chance in hell of surviving more than a very short period of time. There's not going to be edible plants. There's no animals to hunt, to speak of, other than pets. And um, a lot of things won't be right for them. They won't understand. They won't be able to read the environment. The same applies to most of the people who live in the urban environment. You take them out into the wilderness. Oh, my God, what am I going to do first? It's a lot different when you're under an emergency situation than it is when you're dreaming about it and watching some bozo show on uh, Discovery Channel. You you know what I'm trying to say here? Absolutely, Uh, absolutely. So so what we want to do is uh, kind of isolate this. Are we talking about a person who's capable in both environments? If so, then if they've got a, a familiarity with the urban environment and with the synthet, uh, with the I'm sorry, with the um, natural environment, they their, their kits will be a little bit different than somebody who say is just in the urban or just in the wilderness. Kind of so, what I want to focus on about today is more of the, the the practical ED stuff, the EDC stuff, the stuff that if you had a if you still had a job, even though you were going into the office, it would be in your pockets or on your person. Because to me, if you're going out in the, to a wilderness environment, there's certain items you're going to keep on your person. But generally, unless you happen to be like, you know, crashed in an airplane or something like that, you kind of have, you kind of plan to go out, right? You don't just, you're like, the Scotty doesn't beam you there. But we all, <laughs> we all have lives and we just walk around every day. And I think a lot of people walk around there very ill prepared. For, for example, one of the things I'll, I'll talk to people about, you know, like, do you always carry a knife? And this is back to the kit in the car thing. Well, yeah, well, let me see your knife. Well, I don't have it on me. It's in my kit. Well, okay. you, you see what I'm saying, right? I'm talking about the basic EDC stuff that, that when you, you know, when Ron Hood goes down to Walmart, you're still carrying it. Okay. I'll tell you what I got. Um, I, I'll just make it real simple because this is, this is the kind of the base level. Um, a multi-tool of some kind with a saw blade on it. It should have both a wood saw blade and a, a saw blade that's capable of cutting steels. Uh, and then, of course, it's got the pliers and all the other good things that um, that these things carry. You want a pocket knife that you could deploy almost instantly, you know, as quickly as you could open it. Um, th- th- you want it to go open. You want it to pop open as quickly as possible. You should practice with it, whatever. Um, a Swiss Army knife is a good thing to have, but generally you could say, gosh, uh, my multi-tool does all of that stuff and more. So, you know, I've kind of discarded that. I want something that's going to pop open. So a gravity knife or um, a switchblade, if your state allows that, or anything that you've learned to open up in a hurry. That's sort of a self-defense thing and a tool. Um, I carry a, um, a a special way of carrying some extra cash. You know, there's lots of ways to do it. You can use a money belt. You could do a little pocket thing that you a waterproof bag that you put inside your shoe. Uh, something that you've got a little bit of extra cash. And, and don't make it big bills. Don't make it like $100 bills. It's good. Maybe you want to toss a $100 bill in there, but some 20s, 10s, 5s, those kinds of things. It might make it a little bit more bulky, but you'll have cash with you. Um, metal coins are always good. You know, uh, you could carry a lot of money as a very, very thin piece of gold. Um, you know, if the worst came to worst, you've got this, this hunk of change that's worth some real money. Um, so I carry something like that with me. There's, um, let me think, what else is there? But that, that's, that's pretty much it, you know, in general. Um, with the tool, multi-tool, I can make, uh, lock picks if I need to. So if I can, if I find myself in a situation, um, some hairpins and my tool, I can open up some locks. So that's a skill, but. Absolutely. And I, I do want to go into some of the skill set stuff as well, because you can have like a great EDC kit. And if you don't know how to do anything with the stuff, well, then, you know, I can give one guy, for instance, a saw and a framing square and some nails and some wood, and he'll nail himself to the ground. And I can give another guy <laughs> the same thing, and he'll build a house or a wood shelf or something, because one has carpentry skills and the other one is a, a dangerous person who shouldn't be allowed near hammers and nails. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, lockpicking was actually something I had on my agenda I wanted to talk to you about today. I recently had an experience where... Um, you know the the locks you use to hold the receiver hitch on a truck, like the big heavy duty ones. I had one of those. I lost the keys for, and I didn't want to call a locksmith. And my buddy Brian from ITS came over, and it took him about ten minutes because it was a really small keyway. 
But after seeing that, I'm like, you know, this is a skill I've never picked up that I think really has some practical advantages. In the show notes, what I have is, is lock picking. It's not just for criminals. And, and I think there's some real, real world applications that we would need this skill for. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it, it's a, it's something that an honest person should have and a criminal should not have. Uh, just, just to keep things in perspective here, if you own that skill, you're safe. If you own the tools, you might not be. It depends on where you are. Some states actually outlaw the possession of these as burglar tools. Some states say it's perfectly okay to have these things if you're not in the commission of a crime. And if you're committing a crime, then suddenly they become a count. In other words, possession of burglary tools during the commission of a crime. You know, so let me let me be clear on that, because that, that's one I hadn't heard of. I know there's some states that outlaw them. I know, like Texas, they could care less unless you're using them for a crime. But you're saying, just like I might go in and, and rob a store, and I have a gun on me, and even though I didn't use the gun to rob the store, it's felony possession of a weapon in commission of a crime. So there are some states that, if you're engaged in criminal activity, they'll add to the penalty? Yes, that's wow. correct. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And that's why you need to be a little bit careful. Um, and, and there are a lot of different ways to carry your lockpicks. You'll find that some of these uh, outfits on the Internet will sell ones that look like pocket knives. It's, it's a real handy way to carry it. Uh, typically, people look at it and go, oh, what the heck is that? Dude? Pocket knife. You know, kind of duh their way through it and then toss it into a pile and never realize what they've got in their hands. Uh, you can also distribute the parts about your body in different ways. There's really not much to lockpicks. You know, it's, it's principally a skill set. And, and making a set of picks is, as I say, very, very easy. The larger hairpins, um, not the round ones, the flat ones, make ideal uh, lock picks. The uh, wire that you – not wire, it's a little like a little spring plate of some kind in um, windshield wipers. It's, it's very, very thin. It's a spring steel. Those things make excellent lock picks. And uh, once you own the skill and, and you earn that skill by buying a set of lock picks, following the instructions – practicing with cheap locks, working your way up to more complex locks, and then you can start making your own tools. Then you don't need to carry them because you're just carrying the knowledge and the tool to make them. Absolutely, and I think if you are going to carry them, like uh, I, I got a set from Brian after he did that for me, and it's basically it's two little picks. They would fit in your wallet. Um, I think where you start to like really attract attention is you know those really neat looking ones that they sell that's like this big thing and it opens up and there's like 87 <laughs> picks in there. You yeah. get you get in any kind of trouble with the law, even if you really use wrong place, wrong time, and you've got something like that on you. I, I think you're going to find you probably only use one or two of them anyway, but it just it kind of sends the wrong unless you have like uh, Ron's locksmithing on the side of your vehicle. I think it kind of sends the wrong message. Yeah, exactly. And and there's ways that you could uh, kind of attenuate the uh the the issue here. A lot of states have locksmith bureaus and and you could take online courses in locksmithing. And if you're enrolled in a course like that, you could legitimately call yourself a locksmith or at least a uh at least you're learning the skill and you could say, "Look, this is I'm an apprentice. My, I'm an apprentice." That's the word go. I was searching for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that helps to get you out from under some of that stuff. One of so, the uh, one of the things I started carrying that, that I kind of wanted to know if you've even seen these little guys yet. Uh, it's a little tool made by Gerber, and it's called an EAB. And EAB stands for Exchange Blade. Um, and it folds up. It's about the size of a money clip. In fact, that's what I use mine for. And it holds a standard razor blade, like the ones that go in a standard razor knife. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I have fallen in love with these because if I have to do something like open up a gummy, gross, disgusting package or something like that, it keeps my blade clean. And then if you did need it for something like skinning a rat, because you and I have talked about eating rat before, uh, yeah, good. what's yeah. better to skin an animal than a razor blade? Right. Uh, so it, it's, be, it's become kind of a real uh, a tool that I use to more save my knife than anything else. And you, know, you can buy 100 razor blades for about 10 bucks. Uh, once a week, throw it away, whether you need it or not, and replace it if, if you had to. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I've added recently. Yeah, I, that's a good tip. I like that. I think I'll get one of those to try it out. They're like yeah. 10 bucks or something like that. The only problem I have with them is I've had several that the clip's broken off on them. That I wish Gerber would kind of in, reinforce that little clip a little bit. It seems fine with money. But when you start carrying it kind of like on the inside of the jean thing, uh, that clip seems to get broken off on you. And you're working with Buck now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we we have a, a a relationship now. Hoods Wiz is uh, tied up with Buck on the new Buck Hoodlum. Uh, it's a knife I designed several years ago, and we've sold quite a few of them through Tops. Tops is still a great friend, and and you know we still work together on other projects. But 
but we worked this deal out with uh, Buck, and it's turning out to be um, uh, a, a great association. You know, Buck is 100% American. I, all of the, I don't want to sound like a damn commercial here. <laughs> I'm just talking from experience. They're 100% uh, American-made. They're they're right here in Idaho. They're in Post Falls. I could get there in 10 minutes. The guys are great, and I know from the inside that these people are people who focus on American-made stuff. They want to support America. They, they want to support Idaho. They want to support the, uh, the military. They're always having special programs for that. So I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to be a part of their organization just on the level that I am. I'm not, I don't work for Buck, but I, I have this one association with them and it's, it's, it's great. You know, and you mentioned Gerber and, you know, I, I don't want to down anybody, but you know, most of their stuff is made in uh, Korea or China. True. And, uh, you know, that's when you, when you, have that problem with a the clip there's a reason for that it's it's crap <laughs> yeah and i'd like you know i'd love to see somebody make a tool like this what, what, the way i ended up with this thing is i started looking at all the different various folding razor knives um because i don't really like to to get my knife uh dulled or nasty at a time when i you know when i may not be having the opportunity to sharpen it anytime soon and i may want to reserve it for something more knife-like in use and uh, most of them were actually so bulky, it was like carrying a complete other knife. And I'd love to see somebody take up the mantra and build something similar to this. It's the best thing I found. But, yeah, that clip is the one the one headache. You sent me a really cool little buck knife um, for Christmas. I'll publicly thank you for that here. It's, uh, I guess, a 288. And uh, it's a nice little knife. Like you were talking about something, it was assisted open, uh, where, you know, it opens very, very quickly. And I've kind of made that my EDC knife. I kind of... Bounce between that and, and, and cold steel. And I know that, you know, that's another China thing, but you know, I kind of look at it like my thing is I try to test as many different things as I can. Uh, but that little knife you sent me is just a beautiful little EDC knife. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, uh, I carry my lost you mine all the time. It's in my pocket right now. I love that thing. It's, it's, it's a what? I had there. lost you for a second, but you're back. You were saying you carry yours all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in my pocket right now. I'm, I'm digging it. So, uh, it's, but there's a lot of good choices out there. You know, I'm not just pumping one, one brand. You might find something that's made in China that absolutely does the job, lasts forever. And, and there are good, uh, Chinese tools. It's just that I've got this thing now about trying to keep my money right here. You know, I, I want to see American jobs coming back. I want to see Americans out there having a good time and, and being the way we used to be. It's probably going to be a while before we see that, but um, at, at least we could give it a shot. You know, every every dollar that stays here is a dollar that gets to go into another American's pocket. I completely agree with that as well. Um, what are your thoughts on carrying some type of a light? Oh, Jack. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, you've done exactly the right thing. Actually, okay. you know, when, when I started to talk about what I actually carry with me, um, because this stuff is so second nature to me, it like kind of didn't even register. Um, yeah, a light. What, what am I, what am I <laughs> thinking? You know, I'm, I, I guess I got the stupid pill in me today. I carry an old light. Um, and there's a lot of great lights. You know, the old light isn't the only one. This thing is about two and a half inches long, uses a CR123 battery, has several different uh, brightness levels. I think it's 190 lumens on the top level, um, and just uh, 20 or 30 on the bottom. The battery lasts for months on the low level. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a great little light, and there's, there's lots of them out there. But they um, uh, they're awesome. You know, you I use this thing every day, and I don't even I don't know why I didn't say something about it. But yes, a light. You turn that baby on full. It's, this has got a flash mode in it, kind of blah 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 blah. It's kind of strobey. You shine that in somebody's face, and if they don't drop into a conniption fit or... And I'm not real familiar with that that, that light. What's kind of the form factor on that? It, it, what's it called? It's an O-light? O-light, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, this particular one, I don't know if they still manufacture it. Let me see if I can get a model on it. Uh, it's called a T-10. Okay, I found some of them here. Yeah. Yeah, they're nice. So they're a compact light. There's something you can... You can fit on your body all the time type of thing. Absolutely. You know, at, at night, if somebody came at you, if you had this thing in your hand and you blasted them with a high beam, uh, just stick it in one eye. They won't be able to see to that side that uh, that got that bright light. And very, that's very the side you could damage, you know. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, there's um, it, it just has a thousand applications. And like I said, I use it all the time. It, and you could take the battery out of it if you want to start a fire. 
Um, all you need is a piece of oil, a steel wool, and a wire, and bingo. Sure. You, know, you, you literally blow things up with the power that's in that one, two, three, that little battery. So, I've, uh, I've been I've been carrying this thing from Streamlight called the Stylus Pro, and it's uh what I, it's about the size of a pen, and it fits real nice in a pocket. And kind of the thing I've liked about it, they make two. They make one that's a two, two battery one, which is obviously bigger. That's the one I carry because it kind of makes a nifty little cubaton. Yeah. Uh, it, it's got some real beef to it, and that was recommended by a listener. And, and kind of that's what I want to do is kind of talk about what you carry, what I carry, what we like about it, give people some options here. And uh, I've enjoyed that one. I, I've used it for stupid stuff. Like the other day we were shopping for a table, and we were out because we're moving and we need a new table. So uh, I'm underneath the table at this furniture store with my little black tactical light, and I'm shining up underneath all the tables. And the salesman comes by and goes, what are you doing? So I'm seeing which of your <laughs> tables are actually made out of wood. That's what I'm looking for that's not laminate, you know? And he's like, well, I think they're all laminate. I'm like, dude, this one's wood. Maybe you need a little more product knowledge. But, I mean, that's my, kind of my point is that this stuff, like that tactical light, like you say, it could be in a parking lot and blind a guy uh, or give yourself a mo moment to extract yourself. Or we're going to talk about, you know, other EDC stuff that's maybe a little more metallic in, in a second and, and give you a chance to draw that. But it also has, like, these everyday mundane uses, and you don't even realize like how valuable it is to have this type of kit on you until you carry it. And like you're saying, you forget what you carry until it's dark and you need it, and then you damn well know, hey, I got a light here. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You you put the hit the nail on the head with that one. I, I um it just uh, went out of my head. It's like like I carry a pistol with me all the time in Idaho. I can do that. I've got a concealed weapons permit. Actually I got one for most of the states. And um so I carry a little pistol with me too. I didn't think to remember that i've got that on me but it's right there you know so what, do you, what do you carry in respect to that because that's kind of where i was going next what is what is your go-to choice for a, a sidearm well <clears throat> i have a i carry two when i'm out and about i carry one all the time i mean i, I think i take a crap with one on me but um i just carry one of the little um american uh, arms 22s a little oh what the hell is the name of this thing we drag it in it's uh It's a little North American Arms. I don't see a model number on it. It's all scratched up. It's been with me for years. Uh, you know, with a one inch barrel, 22 caliber. It's an ear gun. You know, if, if somebody gets on top of you, um, you put it in their ear, pull the trigger. If it doesn't go into their brain, it'll make them deaf. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, it's close up. It, it really works. So, you know, I, I've used this on meat before. When I go hunting, sometimes I take out things that I carry with me and, and shoot it. Um, <clears throat> I also carry a, a, um, a little Keltec. I think it's called a P, P3AT. It's a 380. Okay. It, it weighs almost nothing. Uh, I can shoot with it. it. Unbelievably, this thing is actually accurate. The little North American arm is good for about 10 feet. You know, after 10 feet, the bullet starts to tumble and, you know, I'm sure it would penetrate a skull at that range, but, um, and we're not talking about fighting off the hordes here. We're just talking about, you know, a quick self-defense thing. Bang, it's in your hand. Boom, it's over with. you got five rounds. Click, click, click. You're on. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Caltech, that's a great little gun. I, I'm familiar with that model. Oh, yeah, I, I love this thing. It, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it, it sits in your back pocket, and there's a company that makes a wallet holster for it. It just looks like a wallet. And um, then... Uh, As the larger sidearm, I usually carry uh, a CAR P45, which is a 45 caliber handgun, very lightweight, 20-something ounces, and um, it, it, it shoots like a laser. I mean, for me, it shoots like a laser. It's a great little pistol for me, very, very dependable. I got thousands of rounds through it, and I've been very happy with it. You know, so there, And there's an escalation here. Out in the woods, I carry a 10-millimeter. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. The yeah, carry, you live in bear country. You know, oh, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, even with that or, or 44 mag, it wouldn't make any difference. When you're looking at a grizzly bear standing on his hind legs, it's, um, it's, it's a moment. You know, you look down at that little tiny thing in your hand, you look at that giant piece of killing machinery, metal, and well, I don't know what the hell's all, all kinds of stuff in those things, and they, um, it's frightening. I mean, it's, it's just, it, you wish you were wearing a diaper when you're looking at one, and I've had that happen, you know, boy, God, look at that! Where do you shoot it, you know? And I think that does make some points with situationality. I mean, yeah, you, you, you can only get so far with a handgun against something like that, especially when they're keyed up and after you, but 
it's better than a sharp stick. And, and you certainly would have more concerns about that walking around where you're at than I do in Arkansas. I might run across a, a fairly large black bear, but those are two totally different situations. So, like, my EDC gun is I carry a 1911, and I do that even though it's big and heavy because when I was, like, seven years old, my dad said, come learn to shoot, and that was the first thing that went in my hands, and I'm so familiar with it that I choose to carry it. And also, I very much believe in the platform and, and my ability with it. When I want something smaller, I carry a Bursa 380, which is a little bit uh, larger form factor than your, the Caltech you're talking about, but it's a very nice, compact, very affordable gun. When I go out kind of backpacking around and stuff, I have a, a Dan Weston 357 that I, I use as a sidearm for that type of environment, um, but different places, different scenarios. If I'm up in Idaho, I want to, even, even a 357, I want to step up from that because... When things will bite you and eat you, it, it kind of changes the equation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it does. I, I carried a three fifty seven in California for years when I was up in the mountains there. Yeah, it's a great cartridge. Just, I'm not going to say anything nasty about it. But let me tell you one thing, Jack. I'm into autos, and there's a reason for that. If you fire a, a revolver inside of a house without hearing protection, you're going to go deaf. You will not be able to hear your target. I mean, you won't be able to hear anything. If you miss... You won't know where they are. They might be deaf as well, but you won't hear their footsteps or anything else. Your ears will be ringing and bleeding and so forth. With a with an automatic or semi-automatic, I should say, you um, you force a cone of noise forward of you, and it's still going to be unbelievably loud. But it gives you uh, a leg up. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, you you create a cone, and you're you, if you're a right-handed shooter, generally you're going to take it pretty hard in the left ear, but your head itself forms a cone behind you. And kind of protects that right ear. That's exactly right. And the same thing is true out in the woods. It's, it's not as uh, intense, but it's still there. You're still going to be protected a little bit with that handgun. Like your 1911. I shot a 1911 for years. I love the 1911 platform. It's, you know, we are totally in agreement on that. That's why we're bros, man. If we like 1911s, <laughs> we're bros. <laughs> and I, I got several of them in, you know, in the safe and, uh, yeah, some fancy ones. And I got my old standby, you know, that I could kind of just, Pick it up and it automatically shoots what I'm thinking about, and um, it, it's it's just really good. That's the the the, uh, the car is just kind of a smaller version of that. Absolutely, and it's a little bit lighter. It, it's a better carry gun. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll frankly admit it. It's just I'm stubborn in my ways. I remember James Yeager once said to me, "Well, you know, the problem with the 1911 platform is you've only got eight rounds." And uh, that's why he prefers if you're going to carry a 45, move to a Glock and get greater capacity and all. I'm like, hey, with my 1911, if I if I miss him after eight shots, I probably, you know, I'm, I'm I'm done anyway. But if nothing else, I could throw it at him and it'll probably kill him. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you bad, you got it. Oh, yeah, you know, and I I, I kind of like I don't know. I think it's it's, it's learning to shoot, especially t training people. I, I think that a 45 is considered really powerful and a lot of recoil, but Uh, there's there's less. It's easier to control for me than some of the lighter frame nines because that weight helps helps a lot. Um, I also wanted to kind of talk about non lethal stuff. Do you carry any kind of non lethal self defense stuff? I do. Um, and in fact, we're going to have an article about it in uh, the next issue of Survival Quarterly. We're working on it right now. the uh, The thing I've been carrying for years is uh, sometimes called a Manriki Gusari. It does. Uh, I think that's Japanese for chain times 10,000, but essentially what it is is it's a dog chain, a heavy-duty dog chain that in length it goes from roughly the base of my thumb to my elbow, so I guess you could say a foot or foot, I mean a foot and a half, whatever, somewhere in that range. It's got to be shorter than the distance from your thumb to your face, <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Okay. <laughs> On one end of this thing, I have a lock, you know, a, a standard master lock. On the other end, there's a set of keys. Some of them are for the house, some for the car, and one of them is for the lock. Now, there's a reason for this. It's called plausible deniability. When I carry this thing <laughs> with me, they say, why are you carrying a chain with a lock on it? I say, because it's for security. Look, here's the key. I can take this key off, and I can lock whatever I have with me to something and secure my goods, whatever I happen to have with me. I use it in airports. I've traveled with the thing. Um, and, and wherever I go, I can lock myself up, my stuff up, and I'm good. Oh, okay, I understand. Done. If I happen to use it for self-defense, um, well, it was what was available. I didn't even think sure. about it. I whacked him with a lock in the forehead, and it went into his spine, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, oops, that must have been, I must have been too excited. I can't believe that happened. Ooh, let me puke. Um, the, uh, learning how to use one of these things, they work roughly like nunchucks in terms of passes and movements and so forth. <clears throat> but if you could swing a, a bath towel, you can work one of these. And, and in order to learn how to use it, what would you do, what I usually recommend and what would be shown in the magazine, is you put uh, take a tennis ball, cut it open, put it over your lock, and maybe even pat it a little bit inside with toilet paper or something. So if you do happen to hit your mug, you won't break your jaw. I mean, the, the thing is is literally lethal. It can be anyway. Absolutely, yeah. Um, wow, that makes me think of my uh, my wife's impromptu weapon she made before I, I met her. She had moved out, uh, had gotten a divorce and kind of moved out on her own, and she took a piece of, not dog chain, but like chain you pull a truck with, um, yeah. about probably about six, eight inches long, and she stuck it in a sock and tied a knot in it and stuck that sock in another sock and tied a knot in that one, so it was like you get the springiness of the sock. And she slept with that under her bed. And I was like, I think I'd rather you have a gun. <laughs> get hit in the face with that. I, I can't even begin to imagine uh, the damage that would do. So like you said, skills and being creative are cool. Um, I'm a big believer in pepper spray. Uh, and, and what like reinforced it for me was I had a guy's dog come after me and uh, pit bull. Ooh. So I had uh, the hand on, actually I was carrying a 9mm at the time, and the other hand on the pepper spray. So I was able to give the dog a little bit of pepper spray, and then she ran away. And it was a much easier conversation, like, dude, um, you need to control your dog. I sprayed her with pepper spray, and she ran away and cried. And then to be like, dude, here's your dog with like 87 holes <laughs> in it. You know, it's a new neighbor. I don't want that conversation, but also I'm not going to get tore up. And it's kind of that's always stuck with me. I've told that story on the show quite a few times because I feel like that was a dog's life that was spared. It could have just as easily been a person because I don't have any of this bravado crap in me. I, you know, I, you know, I'm the survivalist. I was in the Army Airborne, whatever. I'm an old man now, and if you try to roll around on the ground with me and I don't have any other choice, I'm just going to shoot you. You know, don't, <laughs> I don't want the conflict if you're going to bring it to me. But if I can avoid that by any means that's, that's reasonable, I certainly want to do it. I don't think any of us want to go to sleep at night and see somebody's face that we, uh, you know, that we, that we had to take out when there was any other way to avoid it. Um, I just had Frank Sharp on and what he said was, if you only carry a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. <laughs> another one I picked, another one I picked up from him was, uh, and I don't know if you've heard this or not either, but you you had you had one of your uh, your urban master stories on traveling, and it's always been a conundrum for me. How do I stay as armed as possible on an airplane? I have to try your lock and key thing and see how that works. TSA may may frown on that, but you know maybe you get it by sometimes. But what he told me is get yourself a good quality walking stick. And he mentioned Cold Steel uh, because they have some pretty cool ones that make pretty good defensive tools. Right. And they can't even ask you about it. They're not allowed to ask you about it. And if they do, what you say is, are you discriminating against me? Because it's about the American with Disabilities Act. And it's an aid for your disability, which is I need it to walk well. And I had no idea you could, you know, basically get one of those, that one that looks like the Blackthorn stick that they came up with. You can walk right on a plane with that. They're not even allowed to ask you about it. Hmm. Now, I don't know about EDC and that uh, all the time, but you know, like you were saying at the beginning of the show, some things are specific to the environment. You're going to put some things in your pockets differently if you're taking a, a trip up in the Sawtooth Wilderness than if you're taking a trip to Denver on an airplane. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, I, all the times I've traveled with this uh, Monreiki, I've never had a problem. I just toss it into my, my baggage. It goes um, with me. You know, It just goes onto the aircraft. Yeah. And uh, they might see the chain lined up down at the bottom there, but nobody's ever really asked me any questions. Well, I take that back. Once, when I was in Peru, I was getting on an airplane there, and I had it out. And un unfortunately, I had it on my body when I went through. I took it off and then tossed it into a hat before I went through the uh, uh, scanning process there. And the guy on the other side said, you can't take this on the aircraft. And I asked him why, and he said, well, you could use it like a weapon. And I said, oh, Really? And he says, well, we'll give it to the pilot, and he'll give it to you when you land. And that was it. I mean, that was the only time I've had an issue. And I'm not guaranteeing that's the way it's going to be for everybody. Sure. And, you know, I'm not going to reach in there and grab this thing during the flight. But if Muhammad I'll blow up here shows up on there, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure as hell going to want to find something. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, and, that, and that's not far off. I, I mean, I just 
just foresee issues coming up shortly here. I, I don't know when, but they're, I just feel it in my bones that there's stuff out there that's waiting to happen. Well, I think we all do that. I, I'm worried about a lot of things, some on that front, some on uh, – you mentioned earlier our economy and just trying to support American businesses. And I just – like I look at the economy and I see we're right where I said we would be about now, which is everybody thinks the worst is behind us and everybody thinks it's just getting better. And that scares the crap out of me because I said that's where we were going to be. And I said that in, in 2008 before the crash. That the crash, it was all, so it's like all happening the way that I said it would, and it's, I'm like, no, no, I don't want to see it, but I, I, I genuinely feel like, damn it, why do I have to be right about this? Like, we have some real, and then when that happens, that opens up a whole new can of worms, because when people are hungry and without jobs and without hope, crime takes on a new appeal, and a lot of this stuff we're talking about, like being able to carry things to protect yourself, take on a whole new sense of urgency. Right. Doesn't it hurt, suck to be a prophet? Yeah. I yeah, mean, it, it does. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, I can't. I, I, it happens. It happens. When you have an understanding of an environment, you're able to do those kinds of predictions. And, you know, your your skills at that are, are amazing. I mean, I've, I've read your stuff. I've listened to your your shows. I've, I've just been digging it for so long now. And then you, you, you make a prophecy like that. I go, oh, my God. Huh. You know, what are we going to call you? Nostro Jack? Uh, I hope not. I don't need any no. titles like that because occasionally I'll be wrong. <laughs> and when you yeah, well, when you fly under the radar with it, you're just like, this is what I'm concerned about right now. And it comes to pass, and you look at a genius. If you, you like, start claiming like I'm the Oracle, uh, what they call uh, what's his uh, name, uh, Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha. You know, if I'm the Oracle <laughs> of Hot Springs, then when you're wrong once, right, then everything yeah. is a big deal. Uh, but I do see a lot of stuff coming, and it is part of why I want people kind of thinking along the lines of. of, of being prepared for, you know, whatever comes your way. Simple things like, you know, I always wear a um, a, a bracelet, a, a, a paracord bracelet, and I like the way they look. It, it's uh, it's it's comfortable. It, it's it's no big deal to do. But there's, you know, there's you know, thirty to forty feet of cordage there, plus what you could splice together of the inner lines if you had to. Right. And to me, that's just a simple thing where I don't even understand why more people don't do something like that. You know, it might be part of the um, the, the chameleon effect, <clears throat> which is something we advocate strongly. When you prepare, if you have, let's say, something for every contingency, you're going to look like an idiot. You'll be walking around with a pack that weighs 80 pounds, and there are people who do that. There know? are, yes. Yeah, here's my EDC kit. Well, goddamn, man, I can't even lift this thing. Um, and what is that all about? You know, I, it's it's... You can't prepare for every possible thing. You can't carry it, and you won't carry it, like you were talking about at the beginning of the show. It's going to end up in your car. But it also points you out. It says to people who are walking by, there goes an idiot, or there goes somebody with a bunch of stuff. And if a uh, situation developed, what's going to happen? You are going to be the target. And I don't want to be a target. That's why I want to be a chameleon. I want to hide in the background. And you do that by looking like everybody else on the street. And one of the reasons I don't wear one of those bracelets, as good as that is, and you know, I mean, you've got perfectly rational ways of doing it, and where you live, it might be something everybody does. Around here, it would mark me. You know what I mean? Really? Because it's right out there in the middle of, of everything, and I would they'd look at me and say, he's got one of those bracelets on. He must be into survival. I wonder if he's got a gun. Hit him. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you're saying, because I've always been like, a lot of the guys that are into this stuff, like you, they start talking about gear, and you start looking at their bags and their packs and everything, and it's ACU camo and stuff like that. I'm like, that's the last thing I want. I want, you know, kind of a, a dull gray or something that any backpacker would have, where if you actually have to get out of your vehicle and move during a crisis, you look like some homeless guy, you know, walking down the street that's probably got a backpack full of cats or something. Uh, you know, <laughs> live ones too, you know, like, like crazy cat lady or something. I, because you don't want to stick out. Now, I've never really thought that I've stood out from wearing the bracelets and it's, it is a very common thing. But what I went more by my statement there is that there's so many people that don't carry anything. And even people that are aware of this stuff, 
And I almost wonder if it's some normalcy bias creeping in. Like, the more they carry, the more they're accepting the fact that something could go wrong. Like, I've had a lot of people, you know, emailing questions and say, Jack, my wife doesn't want me carrying a gun. I've taken her to courses. She shot a gun herself. She says she's not really afraid of the gun. She just doesn't want me carrying it. And I don't know what to do. And my response has always been, carry the gun anyway. And after you shoot somebody, you can argue about it. And don't be stupid and say, honey, 10, I'm taking my gun even though you don't want me to. There's a real reason to call it concealed. Uh, but I think that the big objection a lot of women have is that it, by you carrying a gun, it's opening up that Pandora's box that, hey, someone might actually want to do us harm. And I, I think that's a big, big kind of maybe why people aren't, aren't doing that. Um, so... I, some of the other stuff I wanted to, wanted to kind of chat with you about. You do have Survival Quarterly, and uh, you've got a new episode, a new edition of that coming out. Right, we do. We're working on it now. We've got, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Johnny Sai. He's one of the world's, uh, uh, what are the, something warrior. You know, one of those TV shows, World's yeah. Greatest Warriors. Yeah, oh. he's a martial artist, great guy, very, very, very skilled. He's got an article in there about... Um, Actually, it's kind of like the Manrique Gusari, but how to use a beach towel to beat the living crap out of somebody. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm dead serious. You'll you'll love what he what he's written. He's a, he's a good writer as well. So we've got stuff like that in there. And um, well, I, I'll just I'll just let it go. It's on our website at survival.com. You could click over to the magazine and uh, find out a little bit more. You could uh, uh, click over to the store and purchase the last four issues of the magazine. Because we've got a package on them right now of all four magazines, all uh, all of the previous issues. I don't know what the price is, but it's um, it's a damn good one. So uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're selling them. I don't know for how much, but it's a good price. Also, John, uh, Joshua Swagenon is uh, has one in there about uh, urban uh, situational awareness and so forth. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up in this magazine. I think people are really going to enjoy it. They've enjoyed all of them so far, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be hot, man. And you've just come through some pretty tough times. You were you were in the hospital. You had some surgery. Um, I was real worried about you. I think the whole community was real worried about you. So uh, let me say welcome back to the uh, the world, so to speak. And uh, are you kind of getting back out back in the uh, in the saddle, so to speak, with this and and, uh, and taking survival dot com and everything associated with it forward from here? Oh yeah, yeah. It's I, I want to thank Dow Chemical for making Agent Orange and providing <laughs> me with an opportunity to uh, to battle cancer. I dig it. Um, oh, God help us. Anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 been an amazing experience, Jack. I got to say that if if you ever want to be humbled, um, try my shoes right now. It's there was so much of a response when the word got out that it, we literally got hundreds of emails a day from people wishing us well and offering suggestions for treatment and you know it went on and on and on and it continues to this day and it's been what a couple of months now since this went on and um it, it's just been amazing i mean it, it some mornings I, I would get up and just and read some of the responses from people who survived and you know people who currently have it and it would leave me um breathless i guess is probably one of the words and uh you know i'd have to get up and walk away and have a cup of coffee or you know just stare out into the woods it's just amazing but um, yeah, I, I think things are are going better. I still have the cancer. Mm -hmm. They cut out all they could, and um, <clears throat> uh, and still leave me some semblance of a life. <laughs> Which means I don't know what I want to say there, but anyway, it's uh, it's it's good. Yeah, I feel healthy now, and we've we've got most of it conquered. And uh, through a lot of the herbal uh, remedies that are available out there, I'm not taking any tradition, any of the modern medicines. I'm just doing herbals and. Doing the tests, it's uh, it appears to be under control. I mean, I, that's great. It's only been a couple of months, but you know, Jack, here's life. Let me tell you how life is, real quickly. Okay, you might you might enjoy this. I know you're a traveler, and I know you've been around to a lot of places. And you've done you've done an enormous amount for for a man. Um, about oh, guess what was it? About four months ago or so, I decided that I was going to have my gallbladder removed for no particular reason. I mean, it might have bothered me now and then, but I did it because it was sort of a family thing. You know, we we all would have gallbladder problems. My sister had it out, my dad had it out, blah blah blah. But 
I did it because I planned to go to the Ukraine. I wanted to go there and investigate some of the ancient sites there to learn a little bit more about ancient uh, tools and weapon making and so forth. So I go in and I have this thing cut out. Um, a month later, I get diagnosed with cancer. So three weeks after that, mm. I'm back on the table. I mean, you know, good God. It's it, it just it sort of like happens like that. If things happen in threes, I'm hoping that the other day when I broke my toenail, it qualifies. That was number three. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. It's got yeah. To be. yeah, you know what I wanted to ask you is like you, you, you know, your website is survival.com. Your survival trainer. You, you've basically spent your your life in the survival industry from from having to survive being in the jungle in the military uh, to everything you've done in the civilian world uh, up till now. But after this recent um, experience, does the word survival now take on kind of a new connotation for you personally? Oh, yeah. Yeah, changed it a lot. Um, th- this is a different kind of survival because you, you have to battle things like uh, like depression, you know, like, oh, my God. I never thought of in, of all the things that could happen. You know, a tree could have fallen on me. I could have been killed in an avalanche. I could have fallen off a cliff. All of the things you that could have ate two of those mushrooms instead of one of them. Right? Seriously, right? Two of those probably would have killed you. <laughs> it probably would have. People probably don't know what they were talking about here, but Ron got a bad mushroom one time. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, and it's on film. Oh boy, that was that was a that was a period. But but all of these things could have taken you out. You've lived kind of a life with some danger in it, and, and then something that you don't think it's it's it happened to him. It'll happen to him. It'll happen to him, but not me. Right, and and then that hits you. It, then it hits you, and you know I've 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 been talking to my brothers from Vietnam for years, you know, and I see them. Oh yeah, I got I got cancer from the Agent Orange, and so really well, you know. And I think, you know, I'm 67 years old now. I'm I'm safe, you know. I must have I must have beat it. I must have something going on because I mean that, that that stuff was in our chow. It was it was all over our gear. You know, the planes would go over, and our stuff would be soaked with it. You know, you could smell it everywhere. I thought, wow, something's different. And it wasn't. I wasn't any different. So I found out that, yeah, there is a mortality there. I'm not bulletproof, shockproof, and anti-magnetic. It's, um, so, so that was a lesson. <clears throat> and it was a good lesson. You know, I mean, it, it does teach you humility. Um, it's something that you can't just reach into your pocket and pull something out and solve. It's not something you could reach into your brain and come away with a tool that helps you to survive. It, yeah, we uh, can't have an EDC, EDC kit for cancer and an EDC kit for depression that comes with any type of disease. I think that it also, you know, I've been trying to tell people from the very beginning, and the, the reason I try to keep the show so diverse is that the things that hit you are always the things you didn't expect, and that the mundane things that just affect you and your family are the ones that we're most likely to have to try to get through. And I would imagine that living the lifestyle you have, you know, the whole survival mentality lifestyle, things like, you know, keeping debt low and, 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 and controlling your life probably helped you come through this a little bit better than the person that would maybe at your age still be working a full-time job, dead broke, paycheck to paycheck, dreaming of the pension that's never coming. Right. We, you know, we had the reserves here. We were fortunate that way, and we've had a lot of experience over the years with, with people who have had cancer, and so we knew some of the alternative therapies that are out there. We knew, um, you know, we, and like I say, we had reserves because we, we have done what we could to remove debt. You know, we own a house, so you can't completely sure. <laughs> dissolve that, but the, uh, but you didn't have to choose between it. surgery and MasterCard. No, I didn't. You're right. Exactly. You know, when that first, uh, when the doctor says, okay, we've got to get this under control, I, I, I got to tell you, the doc I had, the very first one, was probably one of the most clueless, he's, he's excellent doctor, but one of the most clueless human beings I've ever met. I mean, I walked in there thinking that I had just basically nothing. Um, and, uh, he, uh, he threw a book on the table and said, living with cancer. I mean, that, that was how he broke it to me. You, well, I have words for him, but uh, yeah, you almost like is this your first day? Yeah, what what am <laughs> I gonna? Yeah, uh, you know, is this your first day as a doctor, or is this the first time you've done this because you've really done a crappy job of it? Yeah, that 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 was kind of a, a moment. But um, uh, where was I going with this? I don't know. I, it was sort of one of those things. I was, 
Your first doctor and uh, 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 anyway, yeah, yeah. You asked me a question. I was trying to answer that, and this was part of the lead up to that. It happens, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was about being prepared and having reserves and 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 that helping you get through this. Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's where I was going. He so he he's prescribed. He says, listen, what we've got to do is stop the cancer from growing. It's extremely aggressive. Because literally, this thing took off in about oh, probably in about three months. It went from uh, went from a PSA of three to forty three. Okay, I mean that that's the kind of thing unbelievable. that's going on. Yeah, I mean just unbelievable growth. So um, I um, he gave me this stuff that stops it. He ba- it basically what it does is it uh, um, it it kills all of your ma- it's, it's chemical castration is what it does for a month. So he gives me this prescription, and we go down, and it's $1,400. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, God. You know, can you imagine if we had debt? Yeah. 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 you got to choose between living or paying the bills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There it is. So we paid, we got the stuff and, and it worked. It did, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. And I, I found out I've, I've got to all the lady listeners. I have enormous respect for your moods now. <laughs> I, I want to tell you that I, I have a new understanding and, uh, and I'll, I'll hold that to my chest. I almost said bosom, but the pills have long since worn off. I see. We have a new kinder, gentler Ron. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, or at least we did for a month. <laughs> <laughs> that was all it took. Wow. It was so weird, dude. I got to tell you this quick story. I, I got this four-wheel drive van, right? You've seen it. I drive wherever I go, and it's a big, mean thing. We had a lot of snow. I drive up the driveway. My front left uh, hub blows. Not a big deal. You know, I could fix it in probably an hour, pull off the wheel, pull out the hub, put it in a new one. And I was sitting there looking at my broken car, and I started to cry. And I went, oh, my God, what is going on? You know what I mean? <laughs> that is so stupid. You know, I look back on it and I, oh my God, Ron. Get oh. Together. Yeah. This <laughs> is amazing. Well, you know, I've never really had on my list of things to do get prostate cancer, but after hearing that, it's going to the top of my things not to do list. I mean, that's, that alone is a tremendous suck factor to, to, to have to deal with, uh, I guess, emotions that as men we're not accompa- you know, uh, accustomed to. Yeah, we, we, we don't have <clears throat> we don't have the skills to deal with those kind of things. I, I mean, I, I I've never had those kinds of stuff. I've seen some nasty things, and I, I just look at it and go, oh, okay, that's life. You know, that sucks. But uh, this just woo-wee. well, I guess it's yeah. like you know, like I've always heard that like the way men and women are really different is like when they're dealing with a problem, who they'll call. So if I was outside trying to make a deadfall trap, a figure four, and I just couldn't get it right. You know, I'd take a picture of it, maybe email it to you and call you up because you're like the guy that I know that knows most, knows, most knows about deadfall traps. And I'd say, Ron, what am I doing wrong? Why am I continually slamming this thing on my hand? Where if like a, a woman was having the same problem, I don't want anybody to be upset with me. This is just this is a psychologist from TV explaining this. I'm just putting a deadfall trap in as the example. Would call her best friend and they would talk about the failure until they felt better. And I guess you had to deal with that. And I don't understand. You know, I want the trap fixed. You, you wanted the, the, the van fixed, but apparently you needed a good cry until you were ready to do it. That's right. That's right. And then I went up there and my hands took over and whatever it is that's down inside the mechanical portion made things happen. You know, cold or not, that wheel's coming off. It's going up in the air. I'm putting in the jack stand. Out it comes. In goes a new one. Bingo, we're back online. Sure. I didn't need to cry to get that fixed. All I needed to do was to get it on a jack. But you know what? You know what? I'm so impressed that you would share that with people because I think people need to understand that, that, like, this is some of the kind of crap that you can mentally have to go through that you don't even have a choice because if you put enough chemicals in it, like, I don't think anybody would be shocked that if I gave you enough PCP, you'd try to pull a tree out of the ground until your shoulders came dislocated and then you'd fall over and die. Well, if we could do that with one chemical, we could certainly do things with other chemicals like make a grown man cry over a blown hub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I guess if it's between that or an early grave, we'll, we'll take the uh, being, you know, the little cry period. But it, 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 I just want people to get like what I've been saying all along the way here of here's a guy that I could drop you off in the middle of a city. 
in, in the middle of a breakdown, or I could drop you off in the wilderness. And in either situation, you have the skills and the knowledge to get by. But something like this can take us all out. Yep, yep. It, it, it takes your feet right out from under you. <clears throat> I was thinking it would be a great weapon if you could make it happen quickly. You know, the bad guy is coming at you. You squirt him with this stuff. He starts to cry. I think they call that pepper spray. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got. Yeah. No, but I know what you mean. If you can make him actually emotionally, like you know, just like I'm sorry, I didn't really mean to do it. Let me, let me, let me pick your money back up. Here you go, and please forgive. That would be great. I mean, I think they tried some chemical warfare stuff like that in in the '60s with research, but like they would do like give somebody something, and it would make them turn into like this quivering mass, and they gave it to like another guy, and he turned into like super psycho soldier, and they went, yeah, we really can't use this on either side because we'll give it to our own people and they'll start weaving baskets, and if we spray the enemy with it, they'll all go nuts and kill us. So I, I guess they kind of <laughs> backed off of that. But I, I, I hope that anybody that has to deal with this type of, of situation in life can deal with it kind of with you, you always bring a sense of humor with you, and I, I think that probably helped you a lot as well. Like you know, I, I'd like to thank Dow Chemical for giving me the I. <laughs> <laughs> I have different words for them, but I admire you for that that stance. <laughs> well, what, what can I do? Uh, you know, I'm not going to sue them. That's already happened. That didn't work well. No. You know, it's uh, you know if you can't control it, make it funny. And and one of the ways that people compensate for things that just horrify them is to make jokes. Um, you know, to to make light of it. Um, I, you know, that's one of the things we see in any any battle when somebody's looking at a dead body they'll say well he looks like skeletor or you know something worse there'll be some kind of a <clears throat> something that mitigates the shock that we feel as human beings when we see death or we see injury that goes beyond the ken you know we it's 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 just that gallows humor that that saves us i completely and agree with you it's it's something that if we don't have that ability and you know what really irritates the crap out of me is when people are angry because somebody makes light of a situation when they're making light of it that's their compensation that's the way they deal with it and they keep sanity yeah, they yeah. have to have something that helps them to maintain um their normalcy you know help them connect with the world and and humor is is what i use you know i i would i've used it in very strange situations and um and it's always come through for me so yeah. i know that that's my survival mechanism and i think it's a little easier when it's self-imposed like i can tell you a story of a guy that did this the wrong way one time this 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 lady was very upset because one of her friends had committed suicide by jumping off a bridge and she told this this fellow that i know and in a, a, a this is a very intelligent man who obviously lost his mind for five seconds his response was well it is jumping season <laughs> it's like, and it's funny now, but trust me, it, it was not. I killed Ron. Um, no, it was not funny when it happened. And uh, so I think it's much easier when you're imposing it on yourself. But I do think making light of certain situations, like this same guy, I had a car wreck and everybody was calling me and telling me they felt sorry for me and it's too bad. No, he calls me, I pick the phone up and he just starts laughing. You know, and, and he was the one that actually made me feel a little bit better about the whole thing. And, and I think there is some real, real safety and humor, or maybe safety or security, uh, would have you. Anyway, Ron, I've had a blast having you on today, as I always do. I want to remind everybody your website is survival.com. Not that that's, uh, that's, that's a pretty easy one to remember. And we do have a lot of, you have a lot of great stuff there. And definitely, you guys, I, I have a link to Ron's magazine in the show notes every single day. And I don't do that just because he's allowed me to write some articles in, in the magazine. I think it's a great magazine uh, that really, and if we kind of finish up here, you, you're designing that magazine to come in kind of a series, so to speak. So each edition teaches people a core element of survival, just sort of like your DVDs do. That's exactly right. We we designed it to follow the um, the video series. So it's, it started out with fire, then it moved to shelter, <clears throat> and so forth through the series. Uh, when we got to uh, the last issue, we decided that it would probably, considering the circumstances, it would be a good idea to add some urban survival stuff. And, and by the way, I want to make sure that everybody understands there's a lot of humor in this magazine. This isn't uh, some guy pontificating about um, you know, the best knife and why one steel is better than another. That might be in there, but 
but we want this to be funny. We want it to be fun to read. We want people to enjoy their experience with the magazine. So we we put articles in there. One series that I write is called Tales from the Trails, and it's about things that happen along the way and during the course of my my life. And um, there's a lot of stuff like that in there. But we uh, we did focus on urban in the last one, and there was such a strong reaction. <clears throat> excuse me to that that we decided that this issue, we were going to do navigation primarily. This issue is going to continue with urban stuff and some navigation skills. And um, so we, we've kind of got to be responsive to the people who are reading the magazine. Absolutely. You know? And we're, uh, so we, we listen to people. When they when they write to us, they, uh, they tell us what they'd like to learn about, and we put it on the list, and if we see enough action or if we see enough response to some one of the issues, we'll get back to that topic. So can we, since it's urban survival, can we expect an article like Tabby versus Calico, choosing your prey? <laughs> I would, I would probably not say choosing your prey. Um, uh, um, um, maybe something about recipes. Recipes. Yeah, recipes. yeah. I, I, and I say that, folks. Nobody gonna send me any hate mail. I'm a cat lover. I have cats in the house. I'm, it, it, it is just humor, but it's also a fundamental reality that someday, hopefully, we uh, we know what we could face. But Ron, again, I've had a blast having you on today. Again, folks, the website is survival.com. Uh, member support brigade members, remember there is a discount code for you guys to use. Uh, for the uh, for any for uh, the DVD purchases on uh, on Ron's website as well. And Ron, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad you're uh, glad you're back among the living again, so to speak. And uh, I wish you the very best going forward. Thank you, Jack. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. And with that, folks, this has been Jack Spirico along with Ron Hood today, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TV. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Revolution